Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Kramer. And I'm Brittany Labby. And this is More Than a Season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coach's or athlete's significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here. Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. What's going on, Playmakers? Ooh, that name sounds good. <laughs> we are so excited that we finally have a name for our community. I feel like this is perfect too with our new branding and everything that we're doing for our community. This just fits. You know, I loved all the options. They were so good, but this one with voting won by far. So yeah. great job uh, to whoever submitted that. We'll have to backtrack and figure I know, out. We need to see who that. did that. <laughs> I think it's on our post. So we'll go back and look as I know that someone definitely submitted. This was not our brainstorming effort. So we no. will definitely look and see who that was and give credit where credit is due. We've had a lot going on, um, trying to make new changes, new things, new people to our team. So yeah. we have a lot coming up. Yeah, we are excited. We actually just hired three new interns and we did not even think that we were going to hire one intern. So we're excited to get them rolling on things and they're super excited and they're awesome because they're also in our community, which is even better because they understand everything that we're going through and they're able to provide that insight. So we are excited for them to do some marketing and social media work for us. They are just all so smart. Brittany and I were sitting there listening and talking with each of them, getting to know each of them. And it's such a, a blessing to be able to just like incorporate their ideas with ours because that is what it's all about. So look forward to meeting them on um, Instagram and all of our platforms. They are going to be such a treat to get to know, but I am still recovering from this past weekend. I was a maid of honor slash wedding coordinator slash, I mean, <laughs> everything. I, I wore all the roles like besides the husband, I was yeah. literally running around, but Brittany actually helped me because I had never coordinated a wedding before. So I was like, please help. I have no idea what I'm about to do. Yeah. I was in over my head. <laughs> it's a lot. It's honestly a lot coordinating wedding and being in the wedding. I've vowed. I will never do that again because I have done that a couple of times now. I've been the maid of honor and I've also been a bridesmaid and you know, it's just, it's a lot of work because you're constantly working the whole time. And then finally, like towards the end, when things have all been your timeline's been done and you're now just on to open dancing, like then you can have fun and you basically work all day for like two hours of fun. So it's not really ideal. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. There was a couple of moments that just like stick out to me. I was helping my best friend. So she was the bride. I was helping her like take pictures and they wanted to take pictures in the back of this backyard of a family friend or something like that. And we were carrying her dress. I set the dress down on the ground and all of a sudden on the back of her dress, I hope she never hears this because I am <laughs> never going to tell her this in person. Is she there was, no, she had no idea. There was ants like underneath her dress and her dress was a princess style. So it was kind of poofy and the tool on the outside of her dress was acting like a mosquito net basically is what it was. So all these bugs are crawling up the back of her dress. And I'm trying to be calm because I'm like, you know, I was totally the girl that was like lifting the veil so they could get like yep, a cool the cool shot. Picture. Yeah. All the things. And you should have seen my face. 
the photographer had like a photo of me and my eyes are huge because I'm just looking down at her dress and seeing all these critters like crawl up the back of her dress. So we got it fixed. I was like (laughs) dusting it as she was walking, but scared me because I was like, what do you even do? Like if they're all up in her dress, I don't even know what to do. It was fine. Wedding dresses at the end of the night are like the most disgusting things that you've ever seen ever. It's like just a bunch of dirt and spilled drinks and a combination of sweat. Like it's so gross. It is gross. But I feel like as a planner, like your job is to make sure that they don't understand or see any of these things that go on. I've had so many brides ask me like, okay, so what really happened? <laughs> like, how was my wedding actually, you know, there's probably something that went on that I had no idea. So I think that's the best part about being a coordinator is you're like, yeah, so this is, and this happened. And actually you had no idea. It was really fun. <laughs> Yeah, they had a room flip. So basically like the same space as the ceremony was a reception. So we had to kick everybody out into the cocktail hour space. And then you should have seen, I should have taken a video. It was the most chaotic flip. Like everyone was listening to me, but there was 40 people that volunteered to help with this flip because the hotel didn't have enough staff. And oh my gosh, it was something out of a movie. There was like tables rolling out as fast as they can. There was linens being tossed, like, oh my gosh, silverware everywhere. And so everyone's like, Ashley, where does this go? Where does this go? So I am still recovering, but it was, it was a beautiful wedding at the end of the night. And I guess that's all that matters, but my body is like, (laughs) screw you. So tired. Yeah. Yeah. Event planning is no joke. It's so fun, but it's no joke. It's a long, long day. I have my Mm -hmm. best friend's wedding coming up in March. She's so sweet. She was like, I do not want you working at all on my wedding day. So like you can plan all the things prior and then like, we will have somebody else do it on the day of. I'm like, you are a saint. Oh, that's nice. Because I can't say no. Of course I would be like, yeah, like, let me help you. And then I can't attend a wedding knowing all this stuff and then like, just not help, you know? So Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to help out, but at least she gave me that relief. Like you don't have to do the day of, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. That's so nice. That's so, so nice. And we have, you know, a bunch of things coming up. We have only three games left of the season. We have Thanksgiving. We actually have a game on Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, I've only had a couple of those to ever yeah. have, a, have a game on Thanksgiving. It's usually after the day after, but episode today y'all will love, we loved interviewing her. I feel like a changed person. It kind of hits home with um, the personal self growth with like self image and things like that. She dives deep into self love and how to basically reconnect with yourself and how being mean to yourself really does impact your growth and your overall outlook of everything else in your life. So how basically being mean and saying mean things to yourself, whether it be like, I'm not good enough, or I'm not worthy, or I feel ugly, whatever those awful, like negative things that you have pop up in your mind, how it actually spreads roots to all the other areas in your life. So it is super impactful. I feel like I came out of a counseling session that I needed. Yeah, personally. Me too. she was awesome. Her name is Kara and she is actually not even in the sports industry. We just found her and loved her and decided to bring her on to share some wisdom with your relationship with self. Honestly, that is just something that we forget a lot of the times being wives in this industry and mothers and things like that. We're constantly focusing on other people. And I think she is just the perfect, perfect intro into really focusing in on yourself and loving yourself first. And so we are really excited. We hope y'all enjoy this episode and we will see you on the other side. 
Hello, hello. Hey, friends. Welcome back. You know, it's our favorite time of the week when we release a new episode and we are diving deep with this one. But before we kick off, we're going to let our guest introduce herself. Hi, everybody. Hi, you guys. It's so nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. I love podcasts that support the development of women. So I love being here. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I'll introduce myself. I am Kara, Kara Elise Campbell. That is my married name. And I am an executive coach. And essentially, I help women reconnect to their bodies and the wisdom of their bodies. And I do this through embodiment work. And I do this through a lot of different somatic modalities. But really, my goal is to help women come home to themselves, to really uh, go on that journey of coming back home. And we've been taught, so many of us have been taught from a really young age to not trust ourselves and to not uh, connect to ourselves. And so I love empowering women to really traverse on this journey back home and, and walk into a relationship of belonging with themselves. So that is who I am. That is what I do. Yeah, I was excited about this episode just for me personally, because I shared on our podcast and Brittany has shared things that she has been struggling with too. And just self-image and like loving who I am has just been such a crazy, crazy journey. And so when we found out that we were doing this, I was just so excited because after we received so much feedback from our listeners, I mean, everyone is going through something with self doubt and we need to like learn how to love ourselves again. So how did you get to this place where you were like, this is my passion and Mm. I want to start by helping women, you know, find themselves again. Yeah. Um, I love this question, Ashley. And I love that you use the word journey because it really is this journey, right? It's this lifelong journey of how do we step into a relationship with self that is the best relationship that we're ever going to have. I love to think of our relationship with self as that it is a relationship. And so it requires work and it requires trust and it requires communication and it requires all these other Um, important qualities that we put effort into into relationship with other people, right? Like if you and I are going to be friends, I'm going to be showing up. I'm going to be communicative. I'm going to be hopefully a trustworthy friend. And yet we find ourselves, a lot of us find ourselves in relationship with self that isn't quite that. And I think what you said about it being a journey really is the key. To answer your question, the reason I have become so passionate about it is because I spent most of my life in a really crappy relationship with me. I spent a lot of years in self-hatred, a lot of years in a lack of self-trust, and that manifested in a lot of different ways, right? It manifested in the way I treated my body, it manifested in eating disorders, it manifested in dating guys that never could choose me back. And so, you know, I had a pretty radical experience when I was 33. I had moved to England for a six-month sabbatical. I was taking a little breather from LA. And I had been living in LA uh, for about six years at that time. And I decided to uproot my life and go on this adventure and live in England. And I expected with this journey, spontaneity and adventure and like a party, right? (laughs) I expected this to be this great, wonderful adventure. And what happened in England for me was that I got really slow. My life in LA had been so fast paced, so hustle oriented. And when I got slow in England, all of the stuff that I hadn't dealt with, all of the thoughts of not liking myself surfaced, right? Like whenever we get slow, all of our stuff kind of comes and bubbles up to the surface. 
And so that time was really lonely. It was really hard. It was really, uh, when I look back in hindsight, I can name it as a spiritual death. I was dying in a lot of ways. But what happened for me is I, uh, my body started reacting. So I had a series of panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And after my fourth panic attack, I, I was coming out of it. If you've had one before, they're terrible. And I was coming out of this panic attack. And as I was coming to, I heard a, a voice. I heard an audible voice and it said, be kind to yourself. And it was so simple, but it was this moment for me where I started to question anything that wasn't kind to me. And I started to ask the question, why is it when I'm having a hard time, when I'm struggling or when I'm down in the dumps or when I'm having any kind of hard time, why is it my tendency to be mean to me? Mm -hmm. So sometimes, especially working with women, we think that by being mean or being unkind, we're going to somehow will ourselves into new behavior. But in this moment in England, this moment of be kind to yourself, it was a wake up moment for me. And I always tell people that was the turning point and the, and the point where I turned around and instead of walking away from myself, I began to walk towards myself. And so now knowing, <laughs> being on the other side of that, right? Being on the other side of what happens when we actually start to speak kindly to ourselves, be kind to ourselves, be gentle with ourselves, it transformed my life. It transformed everything about the way I operated in the world and it transformed the way I work. And it also, uh, we can get into this at some point, but it really, I think, was a catalyst for me meeting my my person, my husband, and was a huge shifting moment for me. And so now I get very, very passionate about <laughs> helping women develop these tools because that's what it is. It's tools. It's a, it's a journey and it's tools to operate in healthy relationship with self. Yeah. I feel like in general, women, sometimes we lose that, that sense of finding ourselves because we're so uh -huh. focused on other people. And I hear all the time, like you need to have a relationship with yourself before you can ever uh -huh. have a relationship with a man, a woman, whoever that partner may be in your life. And how did you kind of come to that point where you were like, I'm good with myself. And now I'm going to focus on my relationship with a future partner. Because I think with us, you know, a lot of the people in the sports industry are already with their partner, but maybe they've lost a sense of their self. And so they kind of need yeah. to tap back into that and then focus on their partner. So how did you kind of balance that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And, and Brittany, you're so right. It's really easy to it's easy to lose ourselves, especially if we think about the messaging that we've been given as women, we've been taught to be um, serving and to be th the people that show up and that give, right? And so I think you're really right. It's, it's so easy to lose self in the process. You know, what I see consistently with women is when we start to choose ourselves, when we choose a life of not self-abandoning, it impacts everything else. Right. So it actually impacts the relationships that we're in, in, in a, in a better way, because what happens is when we start showing up for ourselves in certain ways, we teach other people how to do that. Right. I always tell people you want to cultivate inside of you, the type of relationship that you want to have outside of you, because what we believe internally and what we cultivate internally is going to be manifested, expressed externally. This is the law of manifestation, right? When we actually can create internally what we desire, energetically, we attract it externally. So for me, I think that it was a pretty natural evolution when I started to really develop a relationship with self that was good and kind and loving and tender and all of these qualities that I wanted externally, when I started to develop them internally, 
I immediately was able to sift through men, <laughs> you know, because at that point, I, when I came back from England, I was single and I was immediately able to be like, nope, that doesn't align with what I truly want because internally I had done the work to cultivate a sense of what I really wanted and desired. And so externally, I was able to recognize oh, that's, that's not in alignment. And I think it goes for people who are in a, already in a relationship too, right? The more we cultivate that internal sense of belonging and safety and self-acceptance, the more our partners can respond to that. And the more our partners can see that that's what's in alignment for us and they can match that energetically. Wow. That's brilliant. I'm just like sitting here taking all these mental notes. I'm like, wow, that was a wonderful quote. That's another wonderful quote. It is just incredible that you have that experience though to stand on, because I think that one of the number one, you know, things that you kind of think about is where in the world did this start? So like for me on my journey, not seeing my self-worth goes back to, I mean, middle school days. So I always wonder where does it start? I guess it's different for every person, but what is kind of a pattern that you have seen of where as women, have we mm-hmm. decided that, mm-hmm. oh, we're just going to look in the mirror and not like what we see, or we're going to listen to other people's opinions. I just always am so curious as where this all began. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think that is probably one of the most loaded questions too, because each of us have these very, very unique individual stories and we absorb messaging in such different ways, right? So if you think of us as kids, as little kids, we're sponges, we're absorbing all the time messaging that's happening. I I don't know that I can speak to the main reasons, but I think a huge reason for me of, of losing my sense of worth was really just not feeling safe. I didn't really feel safe in the home that I was growing up in. And my parents were doing the best they could with the tools they had, but I was interpreting that my worth was based on how I performed, or I was interpreting that my worth was based on my looks or you know, we're in middle school and somebody says something mean about our thighs and it implants. I imagine it almost like a little seed implanting as a weed. And then it grows into all these different roots in our adulthood, right? And so for a lot of us, what we have to do is we have to go back to these stories. We have to go back to these moments in time because we all have them, right? We can probably all draw from somewhere when we first started remembering some horrible messaging or horrible stories that got internalized as telling us we're not worthy or we're not enough. The not enoughness and the not worthy are are two huge ones that I see all the time in my work is for some reason at our core, we don't believe that we're enough and that we have to earn our love or we don't believe we're worthy. And so we spend a lot of time striving to earn what we think we deserve, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to go back to these stories and we have to really heal them. We have to remother ourselves in some ways. If you guys are familiar with inner child work, I do a lot with going back to memories and, and remothering in these moments that have been really, really painful. Uh, piggybacking on your question is, is just this idea of really being radically honest with ourselves. Even what you're able to say, oh, I don't feel like I'm worthy, right? Why do I think that? Interesting. Well, maybe I think that because X, Y, Z, and then we can trace it back and go into those spaces and actually do healing work around those spaces. Because like we said, we all have them. We all have thousands of those memories, not thousands, probably, hopefully not (laughs) a lot of those memories. And what I find to be really interesting is I think that these memories of worth and value and enoughness are fascinating because we go and we do work on them. And then a 
couple years later, another one surfaces and we get to go and we get to do more work on it, right? So it's, again, it's this journey, it's this lifelong process of, of learning how to reparent that little kid that was told she wasn't enough for whatever reason. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear that as you kind of get older, you focus on things of the past that like you never really thought about in high school and as you're kind of growing up, but once you become an adult and you kind of think back on those experiences that really shaped who you are and maybe the way Mm -hmm. that you think about things. And I think the not worthy part is really relevant for our community because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're constantly following our significant others around the country. I mean, we just told you we're in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. I mean, there's this like feeling of it's all about them and it it's not mm-hmm. about me and like losing that self-worth. And we hear a lot of women in the industry that are stay-at-home moms and they're like, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom or I'm mm-hmm. just a stay-at-home wife. And so I think what's the first step for somebody that's like experiencing that and just starting to realize like, maybe I am starting to feel these not worthy feelings, but I didn't even realize it until recently or now what's their first step yeah it's a great question well first of all i'm pregnant and i am due in january with my first child (laughs) and i will tell you i she's not even here in the world yet and i have more respect for stay-at-home mothers than i ever knew was possible partly because just in pregnancy i'm recognizing how much physical exertion and energy it takes to grow a human life is wild to me and it's not quantified and no one is naming it. And so it's been interesting for me because I've been a self-supporting entrepreneur since I was, you know, 18. And now being on, on this side of the coin, being like, this is the hardest work I've ever done is growing a human. (laughs) So I imagine that raising a human is going to be monumentally more work and more effort that doesn't get praised in the same way that certain work does. Right. Like I think about stay at home moms, there's not a quantifiable like clocking out in the end of the day that gets praised. So I just want to honor that for for stay at home moms, because I think it's so massive and so beautiful to really create space for a family and create space for for life to thrive within a family unit. But in terms of a first step, you know, I think kind of what we said, really naming when we are feeling less than or naming when we're feeling not worthy or naming when we're not when we're feeling not enough and sometimes i think those things are hard to identify if we're not in the practice of identifying them it can come out more like feeling resentful or it can come out like feeling lonely or it can come out in these other feelings that we have to actually go digging inside of to get to the place of recognizing oh i feel like i'm not enough right now and i'm feeling like that because you know, I'm, I'm staying at home with these children all day and not having an adult conversation and X, Y, or Z is happening. I think a huge part of healing work around this is offering spaces of community, which you guys do, right? Even on this podcast, you're creating spaces for these things to be named and for women to actually come together and have conversations around identity and around enoughness and around worthiness apart from whether or not we we take home a paycheck or we have physical presence where people are noticing what we do in the world, but really creating those safe spaces of community, I think is a huge key as well to heal those wounds and to come together and say, our worth isn't based in, in what we do externally, right? Like it matters, but it's not actually based in what we do externally. Yeah. That's all wonderful things to share, because I think that with 
the industry that we're in, it's so interesting. We're trying to change the narrative of like, you have to fit in this certain category to be deemed successful as a woman, like supporting someone in the industry. And it's so interesting because Brittany and I have conversations all the time. We're like, where in the world did this start where you had to be X, Y, and Z in order to be viewed as acceptable or to be viewed as somebody that, you know, has it all together and someone that you look up to as like a mentor in this industry. And so we've been on a journey. I feel like the past year and a half trying to unpack where in the world all these women feel this way because over time we've received feedback and messages saying, oh, wow, I, I felt like, you know, this was all I am. So we're trying to open up this new door. And I think what you said just makes so much sense is like unpacking why you feel that way and where it started from, because even as adult women, we're still sponges. Like we're still absorbing with the people that we surround ourselves with. So with that and with um, your clients or people that you work with, how do you measure that they are making progress? Yeah. Great question. Gosh, as you were talking, I just kept thinking how much pressure we put on ourselves, right? Like how much we are our own greatest critics and we are the ones who stand in judgment of ourselves so often. I think a huge measuring stick that, that I kind of work off of is whether or not someone is liking their life (laughs) like am i liking my life am i here am i present am i in the moment am i able to enjoy my day to day even when those those hard memories surface am i able to talk myself through them and and say to myself again like kara that's that's not who you actually are who you actually are is x y and z and kind of have this relationship with myself like a supportive partner right if we imagine our supportive partner talking us down from a ledge they're going to be really kind and gentle and loving and, and reminding us of who we actually are and so i think a huge gauge of success for me is when my clients develop those skills of self-talk that can help them re-regulate after maybe having a trauma response come up right or having a a hard memory come up or surface or going through a really hard day and feeling worthless, feeling hopeless and feeling like they're self-sabotaging or something. And then at the end of the day, be able to say to themselves with gentleness, it's okay. We're going to try again. So I think those are markers of success for me is when we, we reorient the relationship towards kindness and when we reorient the relationship towards self-acceptance and self-compassion. Yeah. I feel like that's so important. I was thinking about like my anxiety and you had mentioned like panic attacks and things like that. And I feel like that's kind of what I've started doing with myself. Like I talk to myself, which sounds crazy, but like, okay, you're fine. It does not sound crazy. (laughs) You know, like, but you're like, you're talking yourself down and you're talking yourself through it. And the things that you say are like exactly what you would want someone else to say if they were there with you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the exact same type of thing. Like you want to be kind to yourself. And I guess with that, you are, you just said you're pregnant with your first kid. And so I, I know you've kind of talked about this on your own podcast, but I think it's really important for our listeners as well is how do you come to terms with that? Like you're growing a human, which is obviously amazing, but like your body is changing so much and you're now dealing with this internal thing that you're never going to have your body back from before when you had a kid. I don't know. I feel like I don't have kids yet, but I feel like I struggle 
with that as like a potential when I do have children, like that could be a potential. Yeah. No, it has been such a journey. I love this question. Thank you for asking this really quickly talking to yourself. It does not sound crazy. It is one of the greatest tools we have. We carry so much power in our words. We really do. And we're talking to ourselves all day long internally in our mind. And so when we start to verbally shift our conversation towards self, right? When I start to verbally say, Kara, you're so good at that, right? It sounds cheesy. It sounds so silly. But when I start to be my greatest cheerleader verbally, not only am I helping shift my thought patterns by my words, but I'm actually speaking into existence what I want to be true. So when I say out loud to myself, you're so beautiful, you're so wonderful, you're so et cetera, et cetera. I'm physically shifting the atmosphere with my words. And so I just wanna say that's a huge thing, especially, especially with anxiety, right? Because anxiety is one of those tricky ones that, sorry, I'm not answering your question yet, but I will get to the body question. <laughs> anxiety is one of those tricky ones that I tell my clients all the time, excitement and anxiety are born, born from the same thing. They're born from the exact same thing. But anxiety is always looking forward towards the negative and excitement is always looking forward towards the positive. So part of what we can do with our words is help us from looking at the negative to shifting to looking at the positive, right? Because what your, what your body is, in do, is doing with anxiety, it's anticipating in order to keep you safe. It's saying, oh my gosh, if we just figure out all the things that could go wrong, then we'll be okay. But if we can talk to ourselves and say, actually, actually, Brittany, you can uh, imagine that it's going to be really great, right? Like you can imagine that something hopeful is going to happen. You can actually start to orient your, your vision towards the positive, which can be a really helpful tool with all kinds of all kinds of emotion, but especially anxiety. So I just want to name that. In terms of the body, <laughs> being pregnant in the body, you guys, this has been such a wild ride of of my life, being pregnant and feeling all of these shifts and changes. I feel immensely grateful that I got pregnant when I did, um, in the sense that if I had gotten pregnant 10 years ago before going on a body journey, it would have been really difficult for me. But after that uh, experience in England, I did a lot of healing work around my physical body because again, I had spent, gosh, 20 years in an abusive relationship with my body since I was 13, probably always being unkind, always thinking that there was something broken in my body that I needed to fix or something that I needed to shift or change, you know, from day one, when we are born as little girls, we are taught that our bodies are something to control and to change and to, to shift, to be uh, appealing to other people, right? And so we have this idea that our body is, yeah, meant to be visually appealing to people. And so it can create a lot of really weird stuff for women, for all of us, for men too, but I'm speaking as my experience as a woman. So I, I went pretty intensely into healing work around my body at 33. And I, I told you guys, it was this journey of coming home to myself, of reorienting what I know my body to be. Because for a lot of my life, I had thought that my identity was in my body. I thought that a lot of my worth was based in my body. And so I had to untangle a lot of those things in my own journey. Getting pregnant, I feel like I was in a really, really healthy place with loving my body, with knowing what my body is is purposed for knowing that I am a soul living inside of a physical body, knowing what it feels like to be embodied. 
but then your body starts to change <laughs> and it is a little bit of a brain break because you're there thinking like <laughs> i've been told my whole life not to gain weight that's what people have told me like stay small stay skinny stay whatever and then all of a sudden your body starts growing and changing which is so celebratory but it is counterintuitive to everything that i've ever been taught so that brought up a whole new layer and level of body work that I didn't even know I had to work through. And so for me, I feel grateful that I have enough awareness of my own relationship with self to know when my, when my uh, unkindness is peeking through. And I know that gentleness always wins, right? I know that when I'm gentle with myself, I always have a better outcome than if I'm hard on myself. But I will tell you probably like a month ago, I, <laughs> I looked in the mirror and I had a meltdown. I was like, these aren't my thighs anymore. Like there's so much cellulite. I don't know what to do. And I, I got in bed and I started crying and I Googled how to love my thighs or something hilarious. And Caleb, my husband came in and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm Googling how to love my thighs because I don't right now. <laughs> and so that was even part of the process for me though. Just naming, like I'm, this feels uncomfortable. This feels like it's not my body anymore. And I think even just in naming it and being able to like be honest about it, that was huge for me to tell him I'm Googling how to love my thighs because I'm really being critical of my physical body right now. I think another piece for me in, in the body journey is recognizing I'm, I'm having a girl and I want her to be obsessively in love with herself right? Like I want her to love every part of her body. I want her to love every part of who she is. And so if I want that for her, it's my responsibility to be that. So I think for me, I've really been asking this question of if I'm being unkind to my thighs, what am I going to model to a daughter, right? Like what am I going to model to this little human that is going to look up to every action, every way I treat myself, she's going to, to, to see and to, to recognize. And I think that our parents did the best they could. <laughs> my parents did the very best they could, but my mom didn't always live in a very kind relationship with herself. And she never verbally said anything that would be negative towards our physical bodies, but because of the way she was in relationship with herself, I learned that, right? Like I learned how to not be kind. And so, so I really have been trying my very best <laughs> to be as kind to my changing body as I can in this, in this process. Mm -hmm. And it's a paradox too, because sometimes I look at my growing belly and I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. There's a human in there. And then sometimes you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. And, and it's probably never going to go back to the way it was. But I think the promise of that is that I'm evolving into a new person too. So with this new identity, with this new motherhood, comes a new body. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. All of that is just so wonderful because I, I wouldn't even know where to start. We've talked about this a couple of times, Brittany and I, and I'm like, just knowing that with my past relationship with myself and just having the knowledge and knowing that I'm not going to most likely return to the way that I have been previously, I feel like that is just something that I need to work on in general when I get to that point, because that mm -hmm. is one of my biggest fears is being like, okay, well, this is a beautiful gift, but you know, I don't really want the gift to come with all the other things that it comes uh -huh. with. So I, I just love the way that you put that and with self-affirmation and like speaking to yourself, I feel like with me, 
personally, it may seem silly, but I used to carry around sticky notes. So I would put sticky notes and they would be so cheesy. So like one on my mirror would say, you are beautiful. You are kind, you are smart, all those things. And then I would carry it from my mirror to my binder and then my binder to my car. And I think that it was one of those things that looking back, I'm like, okay, it got me through the day. So what are some tips you would give someone that they could just do in their household? Yeah, that's a great question. Something that came to mind as you were asking the question is that really we've got to get attached to the why. Why do we want to love ourselves, right? Like why do we want to be in compassionate, loving relationship with self? And for me, what I recognized in that moment at 33 was this isn't working. <laughs> like the the not self-love and the not self-compassion isn't working. And I onboard clients all the time. And one of the things we talk about is what is your relationship with self look like? And we do a deep dive into it. What does your internal voice sound like? What are the things you're repeating to yourself on, on repeat? What are the internal messages that you're hearing, right? And so we go through an inventory of, of what that is. And what I recognize and what I see all the time with, with women is that they come to me at a point when that, that isn't working anymore. We can beat ourselves up into a certain place and to a certain extent. If we think about working out, for example, we can work out and, and be really like aggressive and hard with our bodies and beat them into submission. Is it sustainable? Probably not. Probably not because self punishment gets us so far. Self-love, self-compassion, self-acceptance is an endless journey that we can go on that will expand our capacity to love other people, to enjoy our lives, to be in healthy relationship. So I I think a lot of times as of this idea of self-love is like expanding the internal cavern. So the more I grow this internal cavern, the more I'm able to receive more love from people, the more I'm able to enjoy things. So to start the answer to that question, I think the, the big thing is getting attached to the why. Why do I want to operate in this, in this relationship of self-love and self-compassion? And for me, it was that I, I wanted my life to feel good. I wanted my life to work. I didn't want to wake up and hate myself all day. It just didn't feel good. And so I think that when we start to come to that point, we get to ask the question, what's working? What is working and what isn't working? Is being unkind to myself working? And if you trace it, I, I would guarantee you're going to come to a no. There might be things that it's doing for you, right? Because that's probably why we keep coming back to, to behaviors. Is there something that it's doing for you? But is it actually working and getting the kind of results in your life that you want? So I think starting there and saying like, is this way that I'm treating myself benefiting me? Is it serving me? Is it helpful? Is it bringing in the kind of friendships that I want, the kind of community that I want, the kind of relationship with my partner that I want? And if not, evaluating and saying, what can I do to start to shift that? I think what we said, the the talking to self is a really easy tool to begin. I think one huge practice for me was some form of body practice, embodiment practice. And what I mean by that is we are physical creatures that carry trauma and stories inside of our physical body. So a lot of times we can mentally try to talk ourselves out of something, right? Like why, why am I being mean to my thighs? But physically in my actual fascia, in my body, there is a memory stored from a very 
mean moment in middle school. And so sometimes the body needs physical release. And so I, I encourage my, all my clients to do some form of somatic practice, which can look like breathing, right? Taking 10 minutes a day to sit down and breathe intentionally. It can look like yoga. It can look like some kind of movement that's getting you back into your body. It can look like, uh, like hand on heart and talking to self, right? Hand on heart, hand on belly and talking to, to self in the mirror and speaking affirmations over yourself. Um, but any kind of physical touch, physical movement that can help your body release some of those things that feel, that feel tricky and sticky. Um, so those are some simple ways that, that you can start to start to practice. And again, I say the word practice because a lot of times what I see is people will come to me and they'll be like, I want to love myself. And they'll think that they're going to arrive at loving themselves, right? They're going to do some work and then they're going to arrive at loving themselves. You guys are both in, in partnerships. You know that relationship is work. It is actual work of showing up and doing work and communicating and trusting and loving. And so in the same way with self, we practice self-love. We practice trying on this idea of speaking kindly to ourselves. We practice some embodiment work. We practice being gentle with the self. And the more we practice, just as in a sport, which <laughs> I'm not I'm not great at sports, but just as in a sport, the more we practice, the more we're gonna get really good at something. Mm -hmm. And and so I think that's where we begin is how can I today find one way to practice being kind to myself? Yes. I love the way that you put that. I think it's so important to know that it's not a quick fix and not mm -hmm. like something you can just change overnight and it's fine. You know, there's a lot of trauma, like you mentioned that goes behind all of that and how you feel. And I've learned with anxiety and things like that as well, how important it is with the embodiment. I think that's just important in general. I think we need to really focus mm -hmm. on that. You can't just like expect things are going to be better and not do anything to your physical body and your physical being. Yeah. So I love that. It's typically we ask this question at the end of every interview, but I'm going to kind of tweak it. Is there anything that you would tell somebody that we haven't already touched on? Or is there something that you maybe tell a lot of your clients that maybe we haven't touched on yet? Like what would be that one thing that you mm -hmm. can pass on to others? Ooh, um, that's a great question. I've, I've kind of said this, but I think it's worth it. <laughs> it's really worth it to do the work to find yourself in loving relationship with yourself. It's really worth it. And what I mean by that is I, I spent a lot of years in LA hustling, building a career, dating a ton. And I had a lot of really fun adventures doing all of that. But what changed my life, what brought in my husband, what brought in the kind of partnership and life that I wanted was when I started to redo and reframe and reshift the way that I related to myself. And so I think, I think the biggest message that I can leave women is this idea of it's you're worth it. <laughs> the more, the more you show up for you, the more you do work and give yourself time and space to invest in you. It's, it's like that idea of the rising tide raises all the ships, right? When the tide rises, you all the ships around you raise. So I think what I would encourage women to really press into is this idea that it's absolutely worth it. The excuses of there's not enough time or I have to focus on my family or whatever the excuse that might come up for you, even posing a question to that, like why do I, why do I feel like I have to self-sacrifice in order to 
make things around me good. Because the truth is the more you show up for you, the more you invest in you. And I sound like a broken record, but the, the more everything around you improves. And so I think, yeah, I would, I would really leave women with this idea that it's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely worth it to invest in you. Thank you for telling us that. I feel like you're speaking to my soul. I needed some of that. So thank you for sharing all of those things. And I'm sure that our listeners have learned something. And I'm just super grateful that you were able to come and pour your heart out in your story. If anyone was looking for you or they want to know how to be in touch with you to maybe do some coaching, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, you can find me at by Kara Elise, B-Y-K-A-R-A-E-L-I-S-E. And then my website is uh, by karaelise.com. And yes, I do coaching. I do one-on-one coaching. And then I also have a group program called Reframe. And we're currently in session right now. So the next one won't be until next spring. But Reframe is really, excuse me, Reclaim. Wow. (laughs) pregnancy brain reclaim (laughs) reclaim is really about reclaiming our lives reclaiming our stories reclaiming our sense of identity our sense of worth our relationship with our body so we do a lot of work around uh, what it looks like to relate to the body to relate to our emotional world to to relate to our mental world and how to reclaim parts of our story that have been taken yeah and then you also have a podcast with your husband (laughs) yes i do we do we have a podcast together it is called revolutionary relationships and we talk about all kinds of relationships, not just relationships with people, but really relationships with everything, our, our relationship to money, our relationship to parenting, our relationship to one another, to friends. So it's fun. It's a good one to check out. Yes, it's very yes. good. So you'll definitely have to listen. We'll tag that in the show notes as well. But thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than A Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than A Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.